Welcome to the Home Team Podcast. Welcome to the Home Team Sacramento Podcast. Uh, we are so excited to be here back with you guys again. You guys can always follow us on social media at Home Team Sac. And obviously, you can follow us on anywhere you get your podcast and on YouTube as well if you would rather watch it. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Josh Takimoto. With me is my friend, Kevin Bracey. What's going on, Kevin? What's up, man? I'm excited to be with Coach T right now. Let's go. I'm always excited to be with Coach T. He's just one of our favorite guests because he brings so much knowledge and passion to the table. So anytime we get a chance to talk to Coach Tenner, I love it. And if you're not familiar with Coach Tenner, he is the head football coach at West Park High School, the new high school out in Roseville. Coach, what's going on, man? Excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're, we're so excited. I'm going to get this out of the way right now, Coach. I know I said this to you last the last two times we recorded. This is Jason Tenner, not Jason Taylor, the former uh, Dolphins <laughs> defensive end. He may he may look like it. And he's just as big as Jason. It's a lookalike right there. It's a, it's a different Jason. My doppelganger. Yep. Yeah. So last time I mentioned it, Coach, I promise. But um, no, we're so, we're you know, he actually coaches with one of my uh, college teammates at uh, Saint Augustine in Florida. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so we're we're connected in a lot of ways. See, it's, awesome. it's not just the looks. It's not just the football. It's a lot of connections. I love that. Well, you um, talked about us all being connected in Sacramento. We're all connected across the country. Yes, sir. Absolutely. We believe that wholeheartedly, Coach. So, um, man, we're so thankful that you're willing to take some time out of your busy schedule to chat with us and, and give back to the home team. Um, and we're going to mix it up a little bit today. Um, you know, as you know, we're all we're all former athletes. You guys much better than I was. But we all we all warm up, right? We still go to the gym. We still work out. We warm up. And so, Kevin, Kevin, you got some yes. warm up questions for coach? I do. I, I got some warm up questions for coach. But before I start, I'm just going to say I appreciate you, coach, because you brought me in to speak to your football team. When I wasn't on the map yet, I was still working my way and trying to build my name and reputation locally. And you gave me a shot. And just having that on my schedule to get an opportunity to speak to your football squad. I believe it was it was Pondo. Yep. It was Pondo. And, and to get that opportunity and just to have that in my calendar gave me more confidence to keep going another day. So I appreciate you, man. You were part of my journey. Well, I love it. We got to get you to come out here and speak to the Panthers. Oh, my goodness. Panther pride. Let's go. I'm excited. So this is called this or that. Okay. I'm going to name two things and you tell you pick. All right. It's real simple. I'm going to keep it simple, coach. Okay. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Oh, Jordan. All day. There you go. Tacos or burritos? Ooh. Let's go tacos. Tacos. Let's go. Eat at home or dine out? Oh, home. I'm a homebody. Homebody all day. There you go. Okay. You can name a third if you have to. Nikes or Adidas? Oh, Nike. <laughs> That's on his chest right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, hey, but he might have been sponsored by someone else, you know. So, uh, <laughs> early riser or night owl? Oh, I'm an early bird. Early bird. Tom Brady or Joe Montana? Oh, see. You know, <laughs> I, I love that Tom is a Bay Area guy, but for me, Montana will always be the GOAT. Okay. Okay. That's 49er ties, baby. I know. 
I grew up watching him, mom yelling and screaming at the TV on Sundays. Right. And you were in uniform. Yep. Um, hot coffee or cold coffee? Uh, neither. I don't drink coffee. Okay. Sack Kings or Golden State Warriors? Um, I'm not a huge NBA guy, but if I'm going to rock with one, I'm going to rock with the hometown team. So okay. Kings. Okay, Kings all day. So last one. Durant or Curry? Uh, just better. Ooh, I'm gonna have to go with with Curry. He's a winner. Let's go. He passed. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> nice job, Coach. I love it. I'm gonna pass it to you, JT, for the first question, champ. Yeah, hey, he made that look easy too. It was like nothing. <laughs> yeah, stays cool under pressure. We like that, Coach. So. um <laughs> Let's just get started this way, Coach. Tell us a little bit because you have a you have a really extensive background. You have an extensive amount of experience in the football world. So, just kind of take us through, just to give us a broad overview of of how you grew up. Uh, you know, your kind of your journey through the football world, and then how you ended up where you're at now. All right, um, from the Bay Area. So we talked about you know Bay Area squad. Uh, played a little bit of sports uh, growing up as a kid. Um, settled on football and basketball in high school. Football being my main sport, took me to college. Was lucky enough to get a scholarship. Uh, went all the way back east to Villanova. Um, ended up playing four years there. Started for three. You know, captain of the team as a senior, all conference. Had a chance to continue playing after college and was an undrafted free agent with the 49ers. Um, played defense in college. I was a three tech. And then I, I got to the NFL and ended up making me an offensive lineman. So I switched sides, learned how to play offense. Uh, they sent me over to Europe when I played in the uh, NFL Europe uh, in Scotland with the Claymores. That was a phenomenal experience. Um, after I got done playing with the Claymores, I came back home, um, went to my second training camp with the Niners. My body started feeling kind of bad. And I decided before everybody else started making it a normal thing, I decided to tap out while I still had my health. Um, and then I got into utilizing my degree, which was in education. So I started teaching and coaching right away. And I've been doing that now for, this is my 22nd year as a, as a teacher and a coach in high school. Um, so I started off at my, my alma mater, Homestead High School in Cupertino. Uh, did that for a couple of seasons, even while I was still playing with the Niners. I went on my off days and, and, and coached those kids. And then um, I went to Leland High School in San Jose for six years. Uh, was a head coach there, um, had some success there, and then moved to Ponderosa, where Kevin and I, you, we met. Um, I was at Pondo for nine years, uh, coached there, and then I taught at Oak Ridge High School for a few years while I coached at Sheldon High School mm. and with um, with Catalico down there, and we had, had some success there and ended up um, meeting the St. Mary's buzzsaw a couple times in, in the playoffs, and then... Uh, and I found my way out here. So I, I interviewed for this job and was lucky enough to get this job a few years ago. And I've been enjoying building this place from the ground up. That's awesome. I love, I love it. So I, I kind of have a, a kind of a two-part question here. So one, I want to know why did you choose after you know this in, this incredible career of just football, 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 you decided to teach, teach kids. And then when you decided to teach and coach, was it, cause I'm fascinated when you have a young coach come back to coach, because I, I feel like there's sometimes you get that weird situation that where there's so much raw passion that it, it doesn't translate right away 
to teaching, right? Or you're so young and you're so obviously you had a, you had this pedigree, so they weren't gonna they weren't gonna mess with you as much as you know someone who didn't play at a high level. But like sometimes it's it's tough to kind of like wrangle that that energy in and say like be patient with it. So kind of tell me like why did you start teaching and then how did you manage that raw emotion that you were bringing to the table? Well, I think we all had that person who helped us when we were kids. So I, I still remember my ninth grade math teacher. He's the one who one gave me appreciation for how to to help other people learn something. So I got my first opportunity to teach in his class when there was a concept people didn't understand. So I helped my peers learn and I saw the power in that and and the joy that, that comes with helping people learn something and be successful. And then he also was the one who connected me with sports. So, I mean, he changed my life. So the ability to be in a position where you can do something for others is, is something that's tough to put into words. I actually got a message today from um, one of my former players from when I first started coaching. And he said he got into coaching because of his experience with me. And he sent me a screenshot of one of his players from his second year coaching who just signed with Puget Sound. And he said, coach, he said, I am who I am because you coached me and none of this would be possible without you. And I thanked him for sharing that moment with me, just for allowing me to continue to be a part of his journey. And, and it's funny that you mentioned the raw passion because this is a kid I coached when I was really young. I was 22. <laughs> and I, Kevin's laugh says, you know, I, mean, I am, I'm not, I'm not 44 now. I'm not the same man I was when I was 40. I mean, I've matured a lot in the last four years, in the last seven since becoming a father. And when I was in my early 20s, I was, I, I don't know if I would hire that coach. You know, I mean, I was, I was intense. And, but, but I cared. And obviously, I cared about kids. But I was, I've grown a lot since then. And, and the, the passion is, is more focused and directed now. And, you know, I've always loved the academic portion. So when you say teach and coach, the academic portion has always been huge for me. So I enjoy the, I mean, I teach AP level classes. I teach AP psych right now in ethnic studies. I've taught all kinds of advanced classes. I enjoy the classroom. I enjoy interacting with kids there, but also out on the field as well. Right. I love it. That's awesome. Because my, my question, as I was, re, you know, reading about you, how, how would you describe the journey of building a program from scratch? like you're doing with the West Park Panthers. I know you've been at other schools that have been established already, but what has been the, what's the experience? What is that like? What, what's the goal? What is that? Talk to us about that. Well, everybody's goal is always to be the best, right? And we're not just talking about like wins and losses. We always want to be the best we can for kids. Um, you know, our purpose here is to be um, transformational in the lives of our students and athletes here. So we want to help them achieve the best version of themselves that they can. Um, when I, I was thinking about um, applying for this job, I reached out to individuals in our region who had done it. I, mean, I talked to Chris Jones about his experience at Vista. I talked to Matt Ray, who opened up Antelope. Um, I talked to Joe Catalico, who opened up Pleasant Grove. All gentlemen I know and have a tremendous amount of respect for. Um, I won't tell you which one of them told me. One of them said, don't do it. <laughs> Don't run. He said, run. It's a lot of work. Um, <laughs> did you but, contemplate that when he, when he said that, did you, did you have a thought? No, I've always, I've always enjoyed work for a purpose. Um, and the opportunity to open up a school is not one that everybody gets. 
So you talk about being in an established place. Whenever you take over a program, there are certain things that you just can't change. You have everything we do here is part of our staff's vision, whether it be um, the administrative team, the vision team at our school, our athletic department, the counselors, and then even down into the football staff as well. And we get to have those conversations with each other and with our kids and really lay the foundation that will drive this program well after I leave in 20 years. Um, so it's, it's been a, it's been an awesome, it's an awesome responsibility one to just be a head coach, but when you are doing everything from the ground up, it's, it's really, I mean, it's, it's just an awesome opportunity and it's been a lot of work, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Mm. that's awesome yeah no it's um that's so cool because like, you get to take all of the the things that you've learned over the years of coaching and you're not starting at ground zero right you're starting at the place where you're at now with all that experience and in this new spot so anybody who's coached under you any assistant coach or your whole staff like they get the privilege of being around you at that point of your career which i think is a pretty cool thing and i mean i can't even imagine that kevin the amount of learning that goes on even if like, as, like as, a, as an assistant coach that, you know, is coaching under you, like that's just an amazing, amazing opportunity for him. So, you know, when it comes to like, I'm always, again, I'm always fascinated by just sports and how like the whole team culture is created. Obviously it's not just, you're not just at some school, right? You're at a brand new school. You're trying to create a brand new culture. Like how did you go about selecting assistant coaches and how did you go about making sure they write the right fit for this brand new situation? Well, see, so that's a great question. When you talk about everything we do, doing with a purpose, um, we one we're opening a brand, open a brand new school. Two, we opened it during COVID. I mean, so it's everything that we've had to do has been is hard, and then you throw unique circumstances on top of it, which have really um, kind of I don't want to say handcuffed us to a certain extent, but have kind of slowed down the process and made everything even more purposeful. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the staff. Um, there were gentlemen I met with at other schools in the district who wanted to move over. Um, so some of the guys uh, who were on my staff were already in the district that I, that I came into the Roosevelt Union District, Joint Unified District. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a chance to interview some teachers, and I, because of that, I'm in a, a fortunate position that I've never been in before. I've got five on-campus assistants. I mean, I've never had never had more than one or two anywhere else I've ever been. Mm. So I have my offensive coordinator is the head of the PE department. Uh, my assistant head coach is the head of the health department is on campus. Wow, that's our, our campus monitor is our D line coach. Um, we have a special ed teacher who's a JV line coach. Um, I this year was able to hire a close friend of mine to come on board as a history teacher in my department, and he's my defensive coordinator. So um, I was able to bring teacher coaches and everybody who, who's been in this business knows when you get guys who are on campus with the kids all day long, there's a chance to really impact culture and really develop those relationships. Um, football and all sports and everything in, in life is about relationships. And, and that's one of the things I've learned and, and gotten better at as I've matured. Uh, the, the football piece I coach less than I, I have in the past. This year was the first time I was never a coordinator. Uh, first time in my 22-year career that I didn't coordinate offense or defense. I took a step back from that so I could be more 
intentional with relationships with my players, relationships mm. with families, and the culture piece that that needed to to be foundational for not just our program, but when you open up a brand new school, football drives culture at a school. So culture for our program, taking kids in our in our initial class from all over that that came here with whatever bits and pieces of culture they had elsewhere and molding that into what we want was a big job. And I wanted to be able to focus on that entirely. And I think we've done a pretty good job. So I, I was able to, to bring some teachers on then I also kept my staff small. So this year we only had 11 coaches, 12 coaches total for three, three teams this year. So we all coached all three teams, which was, a was tough. <laughs> it was tough, but but I didn't want to just bring on anybody. I wanted to make sure guys fit our vision, fit our the, – the goals were in alignment with what we have as teacher coaches, and they're ready to, to help us build this and sustain it for the long haul. And now I'm ready to, to hire some more teacher coaches or, or get a few more bodies. I'm, I'm going to fire myself as the freshman head coach and hopefully hire somebody else. There you go. Um, but add, I want to add more, more pieces to our puzzle. Right. That's so smart. Sorry, Kevin. I just have one one follow up question to that. But I just want to say I love that because I mean I imagine some coaches would be like, okay, get as many coaches as we possibly can, build this thing out as fast as possible. But like I think that's wisdom, coach. That you're like, no, let's start small, make this thing as tight as possible, and then go from there. I think that's just I think that's smart, man. But um, I don't, coach, I don't know if I told you this last time, but my my wife is actually a high school PE coach, or and uh, our PE teacher. And one of the things that she's mentioned this year, now that they're kind of getting back into a more normal place is that the maturity level of some of the students is way off because you have these students that miss this whole year and you have incoming freshmen that don't know certain things that you would expect a normal freshman to know. So when you're dealing with your athletes, I'm sure you've dealt with some of that stuff. What has that situation been like coming off of the, the whole COVID, you know, uh, tele, teleworking, teleteaching situation? Yeah, it, well, we talk about relationships, right? And interacting with people is an integral part of who we are as human beings. And for a short period of time there, that year, year and a half, kids were isolated, right? You're the black screen of death. Kids are cut off. Um, and we, you know, in the sports world, we were allowed to start doing some pods and things like that. So there was a little bit different connection with athletes. So I think it's a little bit different when you, oh, sorry. Move I mean, the lights went out. <laughs> no, no, I mean, the hey, you mentioned that black screen of death that came to get you, coach. But no, it's you, you see a difference in, I think, just the normal, the general student body versus the athletes. I think there's a little more connection to campus and doing things a certain way. Mm-hmm. But I think all kids struggled and are struggling with the adjustment back. It's, um, you know, you can't make up the time. You can only try right. to close that gap. And um, we are, are, my principal is awesome. And, and she talked about just having a little bit of grace with kids and, 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 and being a little more flexible and understanding that they don't have all the soft skills, sure. right? Or they have them, but they're not at the level that you would expect a junior in high school, a yeah. sophomore or a freshman. Or even, you know, I just had parent-teacher conferences for my my kindergartner and my my second grader. They're you know they're not where they're supposed to be mm-hmm. because of the gap in education. Mm-hmm. So it's it's 
it's real and it's something we're going to be feeling the ripple effects of for, for years in education. But I think with each day they get better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with each semester or trimester, whatever people are in or quarter, you're, we're going to see improvement in kids. And as long as they have adults that care about them, we can keep pushing them in the right direction and we'll all ultimately get there. Mm-hmm. That's good. I have two. I have a quick follow up and then another question. The, the follow up is to when you were talking about culture. What what is an indicator for you that the culture that you are trying to set is actually taking root? Hmm. If you're setting culture, you're freshman coach, you know, you got your 11, 12 coaches, you got freshman sophomores, and you you're trying to create a culture, brand new school. What is some indicators for you that's saying, okay, I see that situation, culture is setting you? Well, I, I think there's two things, uh, two ways you can look at it. One, as a as an evaluator of your own program, do you see growth in all individuals? Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. I had a situation today in first period with my, my football kids where we got a little competitive and there was a, there was a little bit of a confrontation. And I saw something out of a kid who had, you know, been a little bit, a little bit more hot-tempered the last couple of years. He, he came to us, and, and we've been molding him. And I saw him do something today that he wouldn't have been able to do when I first met him a year and a half ago. I saw him swallow his pride a little bit and say he was sorry and apologize and give a teammate a hug. And, and in that moment afterwards, I went up and gave him a hug and told him I was proud of him, and that was growth, and that was leadership, and that's what we're talking about. So you can see it in individuals. Yes. And then the collective part of it, that second piece, I think, would be when I'm not there, right, is the message still living? Is, is the attitude, is the direction that we are trying to steer the ship, are the kids taking it and steering it that direction, right? Is it when, when nobody is watching, are they still doing the things that we preach? Are they still living the be great mantra that we are about here about being great, just not just on the field, but off the field in the classroom? Are they doing those things because they understand the bigger picture? And that's, that's when culture really is, is set when it's no longer top down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's from within. And that's, I mean, if, if, and I, and I've told the kids this and because we didn't have seniors, you know, we started with sophomores and then this year with juniors, I told them I'm still, we, we saw a little bit this year. I didn't name captains until the end of the season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're still de- working on developing voice and leaders and that type of, of mentality where it's not top down, it's from within where they are doing what I saw today. They're leading by example and doing the things that will ultimately pay dividends for us as a program and set them up for success in life as individuals wherever they go. Right, right. And I'm sure you you hear a lot of things. You got all eyeballs on all the players. So I'm sure you're hearing all the good things and some of the bad things or whatever. So I'm sure that helps you evaluate, too, because you're not around, but other eyeballs are. In your Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I always tell the kids, <laughs> football is, you know, they used to say baseball was America's pastime. Football is America's sport. And yeah. everybody, everybody's <laughs> eyes are always on the football players. They're the biggest guys on campus. and. Mm-hmm target to a certain extent 
Uh, and I, and I, sometimes people say target, and I view that as a, they view it as a negative. To me, I view it as you're just always in somebody's sights, right? They're looking at you. They want you to be that example. They want you to, to be great and be good and, and, and show what is great about our school and what is great about our community, what's great about our program, right. what's great about young men, all right? So that's, you know, that's, you know, that's what we want out of each of every single one of the guys in our program. That's awesome. My, my next question is, I know being a student athlete myself my entire life, I had a lot of situations on teams where coaches were literally father figures for me. And I'm sure you're aware of that because you're an awesome coach. How aware are you that you are a father figure in some of these players' lives? Well, I mean, we've had this conversation before. My father wasn't in the picture. Um, so for me, you know, my coaches taught me how to tie a tie. You know, they, they taught me how to be the man that I am today. You know, they, they, they gave me relationship advice. You know, so teachers and coaches, which is one of the reasons why I got into this profession, uh, made me who I am today. And, you know, there's always kids in any classroom or any on any team that don't have the type of support that we want them to have when they leave our care, whether it be you know, multiple families having to live together for financial reasons, whether it be dad left. I have a young man in my program that dad just up and left his, his family. And um, mom gave me a huge hug after our, our, our last game and she said, said some really nice things about what we as a staff are doing for her son. And, you know, that's, it, it's nice to hear. And, and I, I love hearing those kind of things. If, if she never said anything, it wouldn't change how we're going to go about our business, which is trying to help each and every single one of our kids be the best version of themselves that they can be. Um, I know kids need that. I mean, I know that even, you know, sometimes some of our, our, our kids out here, you know, they, they have really nice houses and, and people sometimes look at kids who have on the outside have a lot. Yes. On the inside, they're still missing a lot because maybe, Maybe parents have the means to travel every weekend and they're not around. Right. Or maybe dad's running the business and just isn't there. So even if the, the family is intact, even if there's a lot of money, even if the parents are still there, if the kid doesn't have family, everybody needs guidance and support. And, and that's the coach's role. And that's that's one of the things that I, I, I take the most pride in is, is making sure that I'm one there to listen to kids mm -hmm. and to whatever it is they need um you know that's that's an important part of, of that title coach that's what we all have to fill and they're blessed to have you coach go yeah. ahead jt they're Absolutely. blessed to have you man no well, that's just such a per perfect example of how the effect of you as a coach on the field is impacting people not just the athlete but their families off the field as well and that's something that we're really passionate about obviously with this being called home team we believe in the the home team of sacramento and, you know, you have an impact on the community around you as well. And I, I believe we've talked about this before, but obviously one of your first coaching gigs was at Ponderosa, a much smaller town, uh, probably a much tighter community. Now you're at West Park, brand new school, uh, new culture, new community that you're, you're brand new to. What has it been like trying to develop a relationship with the community and, and help your kind of what you were talking to earlier? helping people see West Park football players as like valuable, like members of the community who are doing great things, both on and off the field. Like what's that, what's that process been like? 
Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just had my uh, teaching evaluation earlier this week with my principal and she talked about how outside of her, I'm the most visible person in the community. Hmm. I mean, I live right around the corner from the campus. Uh, my kids are going to come here. Um, people see me in the community. I was at a, an event at a, a lacrosse clinic at the park on Sunday and, and, and everybody was asking questions about West Park and everybody turned and looked at me. Um, you know, <laughs> When you are the football coach, there's all eyes on you, and you have that opportunity to drive culture. And it's there's there's, there's pressure, but it's a good pressure. It's it's an understanding that the community, just like the kids, are looking for direction, and it's up to us to provide that that the impetus for that direction. Um, when you, when you talk about small town versus where we are now, things were established up there. And, and sometimes communities welcome new coaches. Sometimes there can be some friction. When you talk about starting from scratch, there's an opportunity to create great relationships. Um, you know, we started the youth program this year. One of my assistant coaches on campus, uh, Marco Hannon, has done a phenomenal job helping me start the youth program. I was the president of the youth, of the Junior Panthers, youth football and cheer. So... I had 137 youth football players and about 140 youth cheerleaders that I got a chance to interact with them and their families and, and get to speak with and get to know on, on a personal level as we supported their young athletes starting to, to become members of our Panther community. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about those types of things, being able to you know, embed yourself in the youth programs and the local elementary schools um, and the youth groups in the neighborhood, those types of things, being seen, being present, are important as a head football coach. And luckily, my wife is, is all bought in. She uh, she loves being a part of, of, of the community that we are, are now residents of. And we, we try to be seen. We try to get to things. Um, we support the other coaches on campus. And, and we're building things with, with that in mind, that it's – in some places, the football coach is a – it's my way or the highway and can be a right. road roadblock to um, an inclusive culture, um, that's not who I am. Um, I have a great relationship with our drama teacher. I have a great relationship with our band director. We're all friends and we're trying to build an inclusive culture here where we all support each other and all athletes and and student government and, and kids in the band are all viewed as important. And relationships, which I mentioned at the beginning here, are the key, right? Relationships not just with our kids, but with their stakeholders, which are their parents and grandparents and seeing those people when they come into events and making sure everybody's welcomed and excited to be a part of our Panther community. Yeah, I, dude, I have so much respect for that coach because I, I think we all know coaches and teachers that have the exact opposite mentality when it comes to living in the community that they coach and teach in. I know, I know a bunch of people is like, man, if I see one of my students over the weekend, it, it's like a, it's a failed weekend. Cause I, like, I don't want anything to do with those guys while I'm out, you know, on my, my time off. And they, so they live, they might teach in one city and then live clear across the city because they want to avoid any other interaction. But the fact that you're living in the community that you're teaching and coaching at, man, I love Big deal. that. Well, that's, that's, that hasn't always been the case. I mean, when I was in my 20s, it would have been a bad idea for me to live in the community I taught in. <laughs> the parents would have been mad at you. Yeah. 
Uh, I, you know, I mean, it, it, and you, I, I spoke to growth earlier. It's right. It's all growth. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, in my twenties, that, that's not a good idea for me to live and teach in the same community. Right. Maybe, even my early thirties. I mean, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's, it, it's good for my kids, my kids, right. Will, my, my son and my daughter will throw on their Panther shirts and come with me to, to the school. Man, that's awesome. They call it, hey, Daddy, I'm going to get panthered up. And you're Let's go. I love yeah, that. So it's, you know, that's that's important to me. And that, that's the relationships with, I mean, uh, the kids in the community see my kids. And parents mm-hmm. in the community see my, my family and understand how important this place is and their children are to me. I think that helps us uh, kind of close the gap in, that, that some places have where there's that question of, does coach really care? Does, right. Is, is, is coach in this or are they going to be here for the long haul? I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I'm excited to build this into a, a, a powerful program, one that our community can be proud of. Awesome. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to throw it to you, Josh. And this one's a little bit off the, off, off the, off focus. <clears throat> Being a former Niner. Oh, <laughs> I'm assuming you're a Niner fan. I'm assuming you're a Niner fan. What are they going to do this year after coming off this huge shellacking of the Rams? Ah, so, you know, I, I already said I, you know, needed this or that, talked about Joe Montana. I mean, it was an honor to be in the huddle with Steve Young and Jerry Rice at practice. I mean, I grew up wow. in there. And it was, it was a dream come true. Play at Candles. I mean, come on now. Um, so it's it's just that kind of like kind of like Armstead Armstead growing up here playing with the Niners. He, I mean, you didn't get any better than that. He's he's phenomenal. I've had a chance to work his camp a couple times. He gives back to the community. He's a phenomenal human being. Amazing. Um, it wasn't fun to coach against when I was. That <laughs> wasn't fun, uh, but it's good now. You know, it's you know when you play, you know I don't live and die with their performance like I did when I was growing up. I want them to do well. You know, I love it when I'm sitting on the couch on Monday night and my son's curled up next to me and we're watching the Niners and he goes, yeah, daddy, our team scored, you know, and I want them to keep doing well. I'm not all that confident that they're going to, going to do what we had hoped they would do at the beginning of the season. But I I have faith that they'll get a wild card spot and get into the playoffs and see what they can do. But I don't know. Something just seems a little off. Okay. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the injuries and I, I don't know. Some, I think there's something missing. That's Some that, inconsistencies. Yeah. And that's the one consistent is going to be Debo. He going to keep taking bites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had the nickname Debo for a reason. He's My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's fun to watch play. I mean, yes, he, he is. plays hard. You can put him anywhere. I enjoy watching him do his thing. Yes, sir. Man, he's incredible. AT, take us home. Well, I just, want to, just piggybacking off that, I was a little nervous because in my fantasy football league, uh, he was on the bench of the person. I, no, I was playing Deb. Deb's in our fantasy football league. I was playing her, and she left him on the bench. I was nervous the whole five hours leading up to that game because I'm like, if she puts him in, I'm done. It's over. So luckily, right. she left him on the bench, and I got that win. So um, let me ask you this, Coach. When, you, um, when you're coaching, you've coached against a bunch of people. You've coached against a bunch of different schools, a bunch of different amazing coaches. You know. Like, like Kevin said at the beginning of this, the goal is to get more connected. So even though we compete against everybody, the goal is to get more connected as a community, as a city. 
if you had to choose one coach that you have a ton of respect for that you love competing against and you know it's just something about that coach you just have a lot of respect for who would that one coach be in the community here in sacramento I can put me on the spot here. I gotta I'll put you on the spot. Yeah. I yeah. gotta pick just one? Just one. We've done it to every coach. <laughs> knowing that you love many, knowing that you've yeah. learned from many, connected with many, part of the you know, the, the the coach family, you know what it is. Yeah. So I mean I mean I could go down a list. There's there's so many tremendous coaches and we all talk regularly and everybody's doing a great, great job for the kids in their community. Uh, probably the one I, I'm closest with and talk to the most, and he's probably a glue guy for a lot of us, is Catalico. I mean, Joe and I, we've known each other. His dad coached against me when I was in high school. Um, you know, Joe and I, I coached together when we were down at Sheldon. I had a chance to coach under him, and, you know, we, we talk regularly, so I'd probably throw his name out there first. I mean, Heffernan is a phenomenal human being as well. John, what he does down there at Elk Grove, um, you know, they – there's, a, there's a, a list of coaches. I've already started making a list of guys that I'm going to sit down with this off season just to catch up with and pick their brains. And as I continue to build our program here and share and, and steal from mm-hmm. that, that, that exchange of knowledge and growth as a coach is always important. But um, you know, Joe and I, I mean, we, we, we've, we've connected over the years and we, we go way back. So I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Um, his wife's awesome. They're just an edu- comes from a family of educators and cares about kids and doing things the right way. Um, we're going to be coaching against each other for a lot of years. We coached against each other in the Bay Area. We've coached against each other here when I was at Pondo and he was at, at, at PG. And uh, I'm going to put him on the schedule here as soon as we get seniors in West Park v. Granite Bay. And we'll be doing that every year and just, just having a good, good old time, just knocking it out on the football field. I love it. Yeah. Coach Catalico is amazing. So, yes. so many amazing things to say. So that's a, that's a great choice. But, but like Kevin said, you love them all. That, that is a good choice. That is a good choice. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, I, my staff and I were talking about Chris Horner and the job he's done at CASA. We love, we love Horner. Um, you know, first class human being, you know, every time we go there, he treats us well. I mean, I, I'm going to stop because I'm going to start forgetting people. Um, <laughs> so many, you know, that the profession is tough and it's taken a hit over the last year and a half with, you know, this was the longest football season of my life. You know, going, trying to build a brand new school and program from the ground up and doing a short spring season, going right into summer, right into a long you know, football season, going into the playoffs. I'm tired. And I know a lot of guys are tired. I keep telling people they don't have to worry about me going anywhere, but I'm worried about the profession and the teacher coach. Mm-hmm. and burnout. Uh, I'm hoping um, some of the guys get through the holidays and recharge and keep doing what they do for kids because we need all the guys out there to keep, keep doing uh, that, that work. It's, it's, it's so impactful for our communities. Absolutely. Sorry, Kevin, I have one thought just on that coach. I remember um, I was at, when I was working for character combine, I was at the uh, Max Miller's breakfast preseason breakfast for the coaches. And I was about this, maybe it was like six or seven years ago, but uh, coach Casey Taylor got up on the mic and he made that, that very same claim. He said, it was almost like he was pleading with the young coaches, like, Hey, like we need you guys to come in behind us because this is such an important job, but we're not seeing enough of you guys like kind of step up and be the teacher coaches. So 
It's so interesting you say that because now that whole idea has such a different meaning with, with COVID, the pandemic, all of that. And I imagine, like you said, it's even more challenging now, but I mean, that was something that he was even mentioning like six or seven years ago as being a, an issue. Yeah. You know, we, we don't have small college football in California anymore. Mm-hmm. We used to, you know, it was the Humboldt's of the world and the St. Mary's of the world, Santa Clara's, you know, those programs don't exist anymore. And without those football players who might've been getting teaching credentials, the pool has gotten smaller and smaller every year. And the allure of, you know, easier jobs that at the outset can pay more money um, has, I think, dwindled our profession. And now you see the rise of, you know, people doing personal training and seven on seven and coaching and that, and all that's great, but we still need teacher coaches. Um, there's that connection and relationship that's hard to replace on campus. And, you know, there's some schools that are, are struggling because they can't find that, that individual to come on and, and build their programs and, and be that presence in the halls every day. And, um, you know, it's, it's a battle. And you know, I'm always looking for, if anybody listens to this, we're, we're going to be growing and hiring and we pay well. So um, <laughs> it's, um, we, we're always looking to add quality teacher coaches because if you can be great in the classroom, you're going to be great on the field. So yeah, 100%, 100%. Kevin, you have any uh, any final final question for Coach? My last one was about legacy, my, and, I, and yeah. we're probably in the same pay, on the same boat. My last question is: What do you want to leave? What legacy do you want to leave as an educator and a coach? I can imagine what it is, but I'd love to hear you verbalize it. What do I want people to say about me when I'm gone? When you're gone, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he loved kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, his passion was helping people, and that's. That's kind of who I am. Um, I, I overheard my wife talking to uh, somebody in our, in our family last year, and she said the thing that drew her to me was because she she she's the real MVP. I mean, I'm long hours. I'm here right now. You know, I was at school doing a cheerleading competition and running that from 6 a.m. Saturday to 10 p.m. and and my wife doesn't complain. She, she understands what my passion is. And she said that's what drew her to me was the fact that I care about helping people and I care about helping kids. You know, people did it for me. I needed, I needed that figure. I needed myself when I was a kid. And I, and I want to do that for the next generation. And I want them, as I was telling you about the, the conversation with my former player earlier, it's a ripple effect. Right? And I feel like if, if I can change a couple lives, and then those kids go out and change a few more lives. The world's a better place. Let's go. And that's, you know, I mean, that's, I want to be a better place for my kids and, and every kid in our community and every kid in every community. And we talk about hometown, right? I mean, I want every kid in Sacramento to, to be better tomorrow than they are today. You know, mm. if, I can, if I can be a part of that, that's what I want people to know about me. Um, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes and I have most definitely made them in the past. Um, but each day I wake up trying to be a better version of myself, trying to do what I can for kids. Let's go, coach. Just drop the mic right there. I mean, I was about to say, no more mic left, man. Shut him down. There you go, <laughs> man. That's it, man. Coach, where can, uh, where can people follow your team, you, all that stuff on social media? Uh, well, I'm at Coach Tenor on Instagram and on Twitter. And we're at um, West Park Football. West Park High School football on, on social media as well. So we've got a Twitter and Instagram, um, westparkfootball.com as well. 
um, we're we're building it up. You know, we we set history or made history this year. First team to win outright. I want Joey Montoya to get upset again. Uh, win <laughs> outright league title with, with just juniors. Um, so we went undefeated in league play, and then uh, you know we went to the playoffs and you know, got got a taste of what the second season is like. So we we had some success this year, and we're gonna we're excited to keep building. That's awesome. Shout out to Montoya, man. That's awesome, Coach yeah, Montoya. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing him at, at my house October 21st next year. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's that uh, that comp- competitive, friendly, yeah. comp- competitive spirit. I love it, man. Well, coach, yeah. coach, as always, man, we appreciate your time. Uh, we appreciate you, everything you're doing in your community and for your, your students and athletes and, and your family too, man. Um, always a pleasure talking to you, Coach. Good luck the rest of the school year and next season. Thanks, guys. I appreciate both you and all that you do for uh, the athletes and coaches in the area. Um, let me know. You guys want a tour? Come on down. We'll, we'll show you guys the spot. I do, Coach. I can't wait to get to get uh, uh, panthered up and, and talk to the students and, and students and staff and all of them about the greatness state of mind and the greatness state of grind. We'll talk, Coach. Let's go. All right, folks. Thank <laughs> all you. Right. Later, Coach. Take care.